Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. If declines coming, kids don't know it. Almost every day after school, these Dobbs Ferry New York kids gather to play Nintendo. I like Super Mario Brothers 3 because um, you can do a lot of stuff that you um, can't do in real life, like you can fly. I like the game because um, like it's just like a TV show, but you're like acting it out and you're not even in it. When I do get a new game, it's fun to play it a lot because it's like exploring a new place that you've never been. Welcome everyone to episode 121 of Wonder Soul. Before we get started, I want to quickly say thank you to all of Wonder Soul's Patreon subscribers. I appreciate that extra support that you guys contribute to this podcast. And thank you to everyone who supports the podcast on Twitter and just in general, just listening. I really do appreciate it. And if this is your first episode, welcome. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed this episode and I do a good enough job where you'll be curious enough to check out the rest of the catalog. But before you even think about doing that, what is episode 121 titled? Well, it's a name that most people recognize. It's a brand that changed a lot of people's lives, especially their childhood. It's a company that reinvented or almost built the foundation for a industry it's created so many memorable characters stories and experiences that when you mention video games when you mention fun you really can't go very long without mentioning nintendo now when you hear the word nintendo you don't just see the logo all of these precious Happy memories are just instantly brought to the surface. We're talking about your first times playing video games, some of your most memorable moments playing with friends or even family, uh, some of your Christmas mornings or birthday gifts, uh, just some of your earliest uh, experiences with video games and having fun and doing things like problem solving and uh, going on these adventures and quests and just these stories that were completely unique and characters that are so diverse and so oddly unique that they just work. I mean, their iconic mascot is basically a plumber, all right? And they have definitely uh, reached a high level of success because of a character like Mario and like The Legend of Zelda and Link, uh, Metroid with Samus and, and so many more, Donkey Kong, Kirby, Pokemon. I mean, come on, Pokemon. Uh, it's just, it's so legendary. And what's so interesting 
about Nintendo is as I started to do some research about the story of Nintendo and how it got started and basically the the timeline as far as the consoles and, and the ideas and certain things that once you look back and you connect the dots, you see where some of their mistakes ended up benefiting them later down the road. Some of their uh, quirky ideas actually became some of their biggest successes. And it's just been such an interesting experience diving into this uh, company and brand and, and studying a little bit more about like its origins and how they came up with some of the ideas for some of the things that are so iconic now and have played such a huge role on so many people's lives including mine uh even now uh as i sit here and record this as a grown-ass man but i have to say that this company is a good example and story of how you can start at one place and end up somewhere you probably could have never even imagined and make the impact in the wave that you have caused just by doing things your own way and by constantly seeking out new ways to provide new experiences and just new ways to play video games and for that i will always respect nintendo and that's why i wanted to sit down and talk about nintendo with you guys and just kind of give some facts and even some a little bit of the history and timeline as far as how this company started and uh where they are today because i know everybody's experience with nintendo is different um but if you've ever messed with any kind of video games uh the chances that you've picked up a controller to a Nintendo console or even a handheld is very likely. And so I think I want to just kind of start at the beginning and catch up to where we are today. So thank you again for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoy. But getting into the start of Nintendo. Nintendo was founded on the 23rd of September 1889 um, it was originally uh, a company to that produced these uh, playing cards uh, not Pokemon cards nothing like that I think it was just regular you know playing cards that you would play a game of like um, spades or, or or poker and stuff like that you know and they had this beautiful unique art on the back of the cards and that was really the original purpose of Nintendo now, something really cool about the name Nintendo. Now, to what I understand, there's not a official translation, but if I were to ask you what the meaning of Nintendo was, uh, to a lot of people, it's been rumored to mean leave luck to heaven. And I felt like that was really cool. I don't know, just think about that phrase, leave luck to heaven. And I think about a lot of things as far as Nintendo at the beginning. Uh, if you're doing cards, a lot of that probably deals with luck and even gambling and stuff like that, where luck is uh, a centerpiece to the experience. So Nintendo just kind of made more sense uh, now thinking back to it. Now, where do they stand with that now? Um, like I said, there's not really an official translation that I've been able to find out, but I'm more than happy to hear it from you guys if you have found uh, anything else to be 
uh, true. So, but yeah, so this company started all the way back in the late 1800s, and that's crazy to me. You know, a lot of people don't really think about Nintendo unless it's dealing with video games, and that's where this earlier part of this company is so different. Yet, it really started to build the the foundation for what Nintendo would be and what it would stand for in the future and even till today. So, you know, you have this company, it's making playing cards. Now, by the 1960s, uh, the early 1960s, the company had tried several other uh, little, little businesses, I guess. Um, they... If you can even think about this, uh, Nintendo had a cab service. Uh, this little fun fact. Uh, also, they had love hotels. Um, I will try to find something about love hotels or the Nintendo ones, and uh, yeah, see what that's all about. Uh, not sure what will come up on Google, but I didn't really want to uh, tarnish my my uh, idea of Nintendo by seeing anything crazy. But it would be interesting. I mean, that's what's so crazy about Nintendo is that they started off making playing cards. Then they did other things like instant rice, uh, you know, like the cab services and the love hotels. And it was all so crazy. Like, you don't think about Nintendo and think about those things. What you think about is video games and home consoles and handhelds. And now you're probably asking yourself, well, when did Nintendo actually get to do Nintendo-like things that I'm familiar with? Well, Nintendo, like I stated earlier, was started uh, in 1889. So from 1889 to 1956, they're a card company. Like, that's their official line of business. But it wasn't until about the mid-50s up until the mid-70s did they start trying all this other stuff, like the, the cab service and the love hotels and stuff like that. So we get our early taste of electronic products but so like okay this backtrack real quick so about the 1960s mid 1960s nintendo started to venture into the japanese toy industry okay so they were done with all these crazy business uh endeavors that just were not working out that were failing playing cards were failing um so in the mid 60s uh they came out with the ultra hand which was like this extendable arm and it was actually made and came up with uh, by this maintenance engineer who uh, he made in his free time. Um, and that's kind of crazy. And then that's when Nintendo started getting really interested in toys and games and things like that. Um, and that's where you get a lot of different things like the uh, they made the Ultra Machine, the Love Tester, and then these light gun games. Now, light gun games, what do you think about when you think about Nintendo and light gun games? Like Duck Hunt, right? So that's going to play here very soon. Uh, so that's when we start seeing a lot of what Nintendo is transforming into what we know. And that's making games. So about 1975 is when Nintendo officially stepped into the video game market and if you remember or even if you <laughs> weren't born or around at this time uh arcades were huge in like the 70s right and 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 throughout you know the last couple decades up until really home consoles really took away 
the uh, the need to go to arcades, and it kind of changed the way games were made. Um, earlier games were so hard because it was really uh, a way for you to keep spending your money and putting your money into the the machine to keep trying. So the first arcade game or machine that was put out there was called EVR Race. Um, and that did well. A lot of other games, about several other games followed EVR Race. Uh, it was in arcades, but it didn't really just blow up until 1981 and we got Donkey Kong. Now, Donkey Kong is a special game in video game history. Uh, it's actually supposed to be one of the first video games, if not the first, to introduce jumping. Okay, now I know you sitting here playing your 4k hd all this other stuff with modern gaming you're thinking jumping that's not a big deal but you gotta think about it games have changed over time and uh they used to just be very simple uh not too much depth and so jumping at one point was a big deal and that's where we also got our first incarnation of what would later be known as mario so their mascot their iconic face of the franchise uh is actually first appearing in their arcade hit donkey kong in 1981 now after donkey kong and while that is going on uh remember that engineer guy i mentioned earlier so he makes another thing or comes up with another idea for a creation for Nintendo that would end up being their first portable video game uh, system, I guess you would call it. Um, and that's actually the Game & Watch. Now, I didn't really know much about the Game & Watch, uh, especially growing up, uh, but it wasn't until like one of the Super Smash Brothers introduced Game & Watch or one of the characters or the guy, you know. Uh, that's when I heard about Game & Watch the first time. But then I found out, oh, it's a handheld. And the guy that created this idea in the Game & Watch got inspired by just messing with his calculator, his portable calculator, while he was waiting for a bullet train. Like, that just goes to show that, like, ideas can come from all sorts of places. And usually when people are bored, I think that's when they come up with some of the best ideas. Because, like, you're just feeding off of your surroundings and some of those things can just like fuse together and make some really unique ideas so yeah the game and watch was inspired by a calculator by one of the former engineer you know maintenance guys at nintendo isn't that kind of crazy you know so uh but all right let's get into the beginning of nintendo like the nintendo entertainment system and game boy remember those i mean that's the foundation, that's the forefathers of video gaming. Uh, especially here now in the in the present time, 2019, uh, so many people are nostalgic for these uh, consoles and these games because for most of us, it was some of our first experiences with video games, especially in the comforts of your own home with friends and family. So in between 1983, okay, in 1989, we get some of the best gaming consoles in history. So in 1983 in Japan, the family computer, also uh, Famicom, is a home video console that uh, that was like the first Nintendo Entertainment System, okay? But in 1985 here in North America or out west, 
Outside of Japan, we got the Nintendo Entertainment System, the the NES, you, you guys know as the first Nintendo, okay? Um, and that was crazy, because that's when we got Super Mario Brothers, and that's one of the best-selling video games in all of history, okay? Now, this go through the next couple years, and then, boom, we get in 1989, the Game Boy. So they basically took your experience that you were sharing with people on the couch or in your bedroom or wherever, and then they said, here, here's a Game Boy. Now you can go play that anywhere, on the, on the bus, after school, you know, while you're walking your dog, who knows, who cares? And that's something that I've always admired about Nintendo is because they focused at two lines of the front. They said, we're going to give you a console that's going to be in your house. You don't have to go to the arcade no more. And then, oh, here, take this. Here's this other gaming experience that you can take with you wherever you want to go. Okay? But just pack some extra AA batteries, okay? <laughs> it's different nowadays, but man, AA batteries were like, I don't know. They were a necessity to have wherever you went. Because when your batteries died, that was it. There was no recharging that Game Boy or that Game Boy Color or even the Game Boy Advance. And we'll get to those here in a minute. So yeah, so in the 80s, that's when we got Nintendo, okay? Now, going from 89 to about 95, that's when we get the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, what's the difference? Well, obviously, you'll see the trend with like gaming and everything technology as like the next one comes out they're increasingly pushing the limits uh pumping up the graphics adding different features well the super nintendo entertainment system was a 16-bit console where the original nintendo entertainment system ness was only 8-bit so they doubled the graphics and like at that time in the early 90s that's a big deal like those games hold up today because they just were so aesthetically pleasing and and just fun to play because obviously with better graphics come more things that can happen on the screen and that means more things that you the player can do and so that leap was actually very impressive at the time um, that's when we also get the Virtual Boy, though, and that's actually kind of ahead of its time. Uh, gets a lot of flack today, but the Virtual Boy was supposed to be like this augmented virtual reality experience that Nintendo would provide to you, okay? And it was like this, like, binoculars-looking little headset thing that you put on or, or you look through, and it was like really ugly, red-lined games that were supposed to be almost like 3D. And you can see where, like, Nintendo had all these ideas, but just the tech wasn't there. But they, they still tried, and you can't, you can't diss them for that. Even though the Virtual Boy wasn't a, I guess, a success by any means, it, it really catches a lot of flack today. Um, it's still cool that they tried VR in 95, 1995, because now we're, we're just now kind of getting VR, uh, it's like a, a, on the PlayStation, you got the Oculus and so many other ones that you can use on PC. But even then, it's not even a, that affordable and convenient for a lot of people. So we still haven't really mastered VR. So you got to shout out Nintendo for that. 
And so that was an era where you got some really great experiences, a lot of fun games. I'm talking about that's when Mario Kart came out. Um, that's when you got all of these legendary early 90s experiences. But here's where things started to uh, get interesting. Because at this point, obviously, everybody is seeing that Nintendo's doing really well. They're the brand. They're the name. Well, like anytime when something like that happens, everybody wants a piece of the pie. So all these other companies start coming in. This is when we start uh, really getting into the console wars, which is a whole nother topic for a whole nother episode. But definitely do your research or just indulge in that that story because it's interesting today as far as the consoles that we're dealing with, uh, the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One. And we look at that as the console war. But man, back in the day, back with Nintendo and Sega and then even Sony, this and you get to see how all of these competitors almost entered the race in the video game industry. So funny, interesting fact though, Nintendo um, was actually going to make a system that had a CD drive. Up to this point, they, they had cartridges. You guys know that experience. You had to blow on them to make sure that they would work if the, the game wasn't working properly. Uh, they were fun to collect and fun to have. And, uh, you know, it was interesting at the time. But once we got into, like, CDs, DVDs, and stuff like that, that's kind of where Nintendo kind of lost some people. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so, yeah, it was going to be co-developed first by sony sony yeah like sony playstation well that's what the system was actually going to be called the playstation and then by phillips um and it's kind of crazy how that was about to happen and because it doesn't spoiler alert uh that's why we have the competition or two separate entities as far as sony playstation and nintendo whatever at this time we're talking about the super nintendo um, but this was when they were trying to move forward. They were thinking about their next console, which is a lot of people's favorites. Um, so around 95 is when we get the announcements or rumors of a new console. And that being the Ultra 64. Well, that's what it was called at first. And even up till today, you see a lot of video game companies using these code names uh, in order to kind of hide the true name or identity of what they got up their sleeves. But for the long time, uh, the Ultra 64 was the code name for Nintendo's next system, the successor to the already successful Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And that's when we get the Nintendo 64 in 1996. Now, around this time, this is when other companies were already entering the race. You have Sega, you have Sony now barking up the tree. And so <laughs> things are getting kind of competitive out there. And you're going to start seeing that there's certain choices that are going to be made by Nintendo that are going to dramatically change that company moving forward and even hurt it to some people's opinion. Um, because at this point you had like the Sega Saturn, you have the Sony PlayStation. Now those, uh, like the, the PlayStation use CDs. And so this is where, when we get into the 1996 year, when the Nintendo 64, not the Ultra 64, the Nintendo 64 is released. 
um, you get to see that Nintendo's like, you know what, we're still going to use cartridges. And even though everybody else is moving into CDs, they're like, cartridges are like our go-to. <laughs> it's like our thing. I, I don't know. They even in like 1994, I think they said, it's the year of the cartridge. And it's like, come on, Nintendo. Like, I love me a cartridge. Even look at what the Nintendo Switch games look like today. Um, but, you know, at that time, developers, not really consumers, developers were getting to the point where they're like, well, man, we really can't do as much as we would like uh, with those cartridges, uh, but we can do a hell of a lot more on this CD here. So you would see this is when Nintendo in a lot of ways started to lose that third-party support. So if you're not really into games, obviously third-party support just means like anything that's uh, made by another company and put on that console and probably not exclusive. Like Mario and Zelda are, are exclusive characters and games to Nintendo. They own the rights. They get to choose where they they reside at. And so every, every company has those uh, personal uh, and unique toys to play around with. Um, but third party would be like the games that you would get on every console. Well, a lot of developers were like, you know, we're not going to do that. So you would see a lot of games not go to the Nintendo 64. Like the 64 had a small library. Now, did that library kick ass if you're a Nintendo fan? Hell yeah. That's a lot in my childhood. That's really when I started getting older in, in the sense of where it wasn't a toy. It was like this hobby experience to play video games. Um, but then we also get the Game Boy Color. All right. So the Game Boy Color is where things really changed for me. I spent so much time on my Game Boy Color playing Pokemon. It's not even funny. Okay. Like that was just such a unique, cool experience. And you didn't really have a bunch of walkthroughs like you do today. Uh, you could get cheat code like little um, like the game genie the attachments right stuff like that but most of this stuff in this open world video game you had to like experience on your own and figure figure it out and that was all on a handheld and at this time that's that's bonkers that's crazy and um, so I have a lot of awesome memories when it comes to like the 64 and the Game Boy Color because that was like the prime time for video games for me now, when we get into about 2001, 2003, that's when we get the GameCube. That's when we get the Game Boy Advance. Now, the Game Boy Advance is still pretty precious to me. Uh, still one of my favorite... Um, uh, well, you know, I don't know. I think the Game Boy Color over the Game Boy Advance just because of the sheer amount of time I spent on like those first couple Pokemon games, like Gold and uh, Red... But, but Game Boy Advance, I had like Legacy of Goku. I had plenty of other Pokemon experiences on there. I mean, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And it had a lot more power. The graphics were better. Still didn't have that backlight, but that's okay. Um, and then the GameCube. Everybody, look, the GameCube catches a lot of flack too. Now, that was like such a fun console when, uh, when it came out to someone like me at that age. About 2001 and 2003, I'm like a preteen, maybe a little bit younger. So I was digging a lot of the games that were coming out. Now, was I also kind of jealous of my friends when they got to play Halo and some other games on some other consoles? Yes. And I didn't know if that was me just getting older and, 
you know, certain game types were starting to become more appealing to me and I wasn't seeing those in my Nintendo library. But like the whole thing about the GameCube, you had that handle on the back, you could lift it up and take it to your friends. And, you know, Nintendo just felt like they've always been promoting this whole thing of like, get out, explore, connect, and, and, and bring gaming on the go and, and go on an adventure in the real world, you know? And I've always appreciated that. Now, the GameCube had these small little discs. They weren't like full-size discs. I didn't understand all that. Some people didn't really like the controller at first, like based off of the look, it was a little different for sure. Um, but so was the N64 controller. I mean, when you were like playing around in that first experience in a 3D world, as far as like being a Mario character, you know, like Super Mario 64, like that's weird using the analog stick. You know, we were, we were so used to using D-pads at that point and just going up, down, left, and right. Now you had 360 range of motion. It was, it was bonkers. The leap from the Super Nintendo to the 64, and even from the 64 to the GameCube, it just kept feeling like every generation is getting better and better and like, wow, look at where games are today. So that was always fun. But Nintendo being different, you know, they had the mini disc and they still weren't getting third-party support, and that just sucks. And then we get into 2004, 2011, all right? That's when the Nintendo DS comes out. Dual screen, touch screen. Uh, had a really good time with it when I was uh, a owner of one when they first came out relatively, so about 2004, 2005, I think. Um, never had a Wii. Wii's were like in every friend of mine's house. Uh, the families loved them. Wii Sports, everybody just enjoyed that. And it was such a gimmicky console to me. Did not like the Wii Remote, even though if it was like a game that really utilized that motion control, um, it was uh, fantastic and fun time to play. Uh, but then when they would kind of force things down your throat, this is where Nintendo was just like, to me, kind of started going look we're different though look how different we're here you know uh with the motion controls touch screen different things like that like a lot of the ds games were like hey you have to use the touch screen get your stylus out and that's where i think they also were trying to find their identity again you know here we're in the era that you know sony and now microsoft with the xbox and uh xbox 360 those are becoming popular because they're getting a lot of third-party support. They have their own exclusives, and also they are starting to venture into online gameplay, which is relatively new. Like the GameCube didn't have any, they had like a like an attachment that you could get, like in a lot of Nintendo things had attachments, uh, even till today with the Switch. But there wasn't any games on there. I think Fantasy Star Online, which is actually a game I had, but I never played online. Uh, <laughs> but um, so they were kind of just making choices that didn't seem like they were going with the flow of things. Now, Xbox and PlayStation, to me, they found what worked for them. And every time they bring out a new console... I think the only thing they ever can brag about is like, look how pretty this game looks and like the graphics are better, but we keep our controllers relatively the same. So, you know, sometimes Nintendo would take chances 
and try to be different and it just did not pay off. Like it just didn't catch. I mean, and sometimes it was things like the Virtual Boy that just the timing was off, I feel like, and the technology wasn't there. But the Wii was hella successful. It's like one of the most purchased consoles of all time. And then we get into 2011 through 2015 and we get the Nintendo 3DS which is the successor to the DS and the 3DS was cool but uh, they forced this 3D thing on you and some people would get headaches and even get a little little sicky, a little nauseous but it was a cool concept but they also just kind of said look it's Mario but now in 3D and oh now you have to play with the 3D feature now, yes, you could turn that off, and I would. I didn't have a 3DS for a long time. I think I got it just to play Pokemon. Um, <laughs> and I did not, definitely not have a Wii U. Uh, friends like Mike, who's been on the podcast, shout out to Uncle Mike's World. He's got a YouTube channel, check it out. Uh, <laughs> but Wii U, he, he left it over here. I just couldn't get with it, man. The controller is like a touchpad. But it also had motion controls. It just kind of felt like a upgraded version of the Wii. And they still didn't really know what to do with it. Now, was the library pretty good? Hell yeah. That's why they're getting ported to the Switch. Uh, but, you know, the third party wasn't there. And the controller just was kind of like, uh, what is this? It's like a tablet, but it's not. It was really bulky. I just didn't really find any interest in it. But this is also where... Nintendo was kind of in the in third place if we're if we're counting them in this console war, but then I, I then we get to where they are today, okay? The, from 2015 to now and into the future, uh, as as I record this is 2019, we get Nintendo going back to the drawing board and and really course correcting after some of their to the general the general public's opinion at least uh, some failures as far as the wii u and certain things that they've decided to do and their direction and their identity and here we are with nintendo exploring mobile uh as i record this mario kart tour is like one of the most downloaded apps or games in a long time i think over 10 million which is bonkers um Pokemon Go, that was a crazy explosive experience. I remember walking downtown in my town, downtown in my town, <laughs> downtown in my home city, whatever, and uh, the experience of seeing so many people outside doing the same thing, enjoying something like Pokemon that now, uh, you know, growing up with it was like always a fun thing. But it was so bizarre almost to see a lot of, you know, kids playing it, but so many adults like me and even people older than me and older than you playing this mobile game off of their smartphone and catching these imaginary Pokemon in their areas. And I thought that was such a beautiful, cool thing. Uh, now it kind of burned out on me and I know a lot of people that are still loyal to that game and stuff, but it was so nostalgic and just fun to get out there and, and move and, and play a game in this augmented reality experience. And so I'm really happy that Nintendo decided to go into the mobile market because it only made sense. 
Uh, I think even at one point they had thought about doing like phones that were going to be like a Nintendo game system and a phone, which is basically what we have today, you know, with our Androids and iPhones. But they didn't do that. And and we get a little bit of like what could have been when you get these mobile games. And um, we also get this unique experience. But wow, what a hell of a good system. The Nintendo Switch, which is a portable system and a home console. And you don't have to really sacrifice uh, the looks or anything else when you go from home console to portable mode or from TV to portable mode. And that's a lot of the reason why I wanted to do this episode. I recently got a Switch and I have been having such a blast. Uh, I have been a Nintendo owner of different consoles and handhelds over the years, but not every one have I uh, owned, especially later in life i kind of was starting to pick up the xbox 360 and now currently the playstation 4 and i i at one time actually did have like a sony psp (laughs) a uh xbox one and and so many other things but the games that that nintendo makes is just they're fun they're unique they're different and they've always brought me back they've always found a way to pull me back there was a weird thing. I was growing up thinking like uh, Nintendo's like gaming for kids and families and it gets a lot of that, 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 that stereotype. But, you know, it's more than that. Like they've always tried to do things different. And the Nintendo Switch is such a weird idea that it really works. And, uh, you know, I've always felt for the longest time Nintendo was kind of always fighting this console war with one arm tied behind its back only because they were going uh, in two different directions. They were fighting the home console war and then they also had these handhelds from the Game Boy to the DS and and now you can consider the Switch like a successor in a way to the 3DS Um, because that's not really a thing anymore. I mean, it's still out there and Uh, There's games and stuff, but you know, obviously when you have a hybrid system, you shift the focus away from that and it kind of fills your need for both. And even now we have the Nintendo Switch Lite. So that's like only handheld. (laughs) So they've always been really all about just experiencing these games in a different way and not just based off of like, ooh, look how pretty it looks. Now, don't get it twisted. Even back in the 8-bit days, Nintendo has always carried in its library some beautiful looking games. And that never changed. And it was just so fun and all the memories that you have when you play a Nintendo system, uh, regardless of what era or what, what kind, was always a lot of fun. And what to me is video games. And the point of playing games is to have fun. So Nintendo was always making sure that came first. Everything else came later. So that kind of is the history of Nintendo. Now there's a lot of details, uh, especially about each individual console. And if you would like me to do episodes in the future of kind of talking and breaking down or even having other people on to talk about each individual Nintendo console, I think that would be fun. Uh, I have a lot of memories when it comes to the 64 and the GameCube, and I want to hear yours. Um, I did a thing on Twitter. I ran a poll, and if you haven't 
Go follow Wondersoul on Twitter. Run these polls more frequently just to try to get your guys' input so I can add it to the episodes. And uh, yeah, and it's a good way to stay up to date with everything Wondersoul. So let me go through some of the answers that you guys gave me um, before I give you the results of the poll. And then after that, we'll take a quick break and finish up. So at Kuroko TV responded saying, GameCube is a solid winner for me. I agree with you, buddy. It's one of my favorites too. Uh, so Wizard Podcast or at So Wizard Podcast on Twitter is another podcast you should check out. Uh, responded saying SNES or Super Nintendo uh, is life, but GameCube is a dark horse with Metroid Prime, Resident Evil 4, Pikmin, and Mario Sunshine. Ooh, okay, a lot of GameCube love here. Uh, at FGC Podcast or Fresh Geek Context. Uh, they responded saying Game Boy Color or Slash Advance would be my pick. I just played it so much. I voted Switch though because it's starting to become my favorite now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The Switch is getting there. It's it's really hitting a nice prime and a nice stride. Uh, Nerds with Friends uh, or at Nerds with Friends on Twitter. Uh, they responded with a GIF of Punch Out. So there you go. There's your answer. uh geek freaks podcast or at geek freaks podcast responded with a gif of the nintendo 64 so of course the 64 a fan favorite for sure next we have what's in your hometown uh, or at w-i-y-h-t on twitter said it's a hard choice between the n64 and the switch so a lot of people are enjoying the switch and the 64 and GameCube are catching a lot of love, which is surprising me. Um, let's see. Who else do we got? Deep Into History, at Deep Into History on Twitter, uh, responded saying, Star Fox for 64 was my favorite Nintendo game of all time. Solo or with friends, it was epic. I wish they would make an updated version or basically a remaster or a remake. That would be freaking awesome and they need to do a star fox game for the switch i don't think we've heard anything about that but yeah no star fox uh, in general but for the 64 definitely a good time for sure next one up is at dave poves f sky <laughs> like pronounce that out but uh good guy dave uh he said snes i still have mine with about 30 games or so lucky i'm jealous It's usually my favorite Nintendo console of all time. I grew up with it, and I have so many memories with it. Wow, so there we go. Getting the SNES some love. Got all those games and everything. Awesome. Shout out to the good guy, Dave. Uh, So Drive With Us Podcast said, This was our childhood, leaving a gift of the GameCube. Uh, Knee said GameCube. Small Room Podcast. Uh... Uh, it grew on me like 10 years later, but 64 still holds top spot. Wow. Okay. Okay. So the 64 retrostalgia podcast said dropped a GameCube gift. Jeez, I'm crow. So many GameCubes. Uh, Ghost of the Stratosphere. Uh, they said, oh yeah, shit. If the DS counts, uh, it is that. Well, the DS does count. It does for sure. But, like, you know, on Twitter polls, you can only have four options, so my bad. But thank you for responding. DS was pretty dope at the beginning. Uh, I used to watch this, said, I voted 
Nintendo Entertainment System because that was on my one of my first systems, but I do like the Switch. So, okay, okay. The first Nintendo, okay. Uh, Ryan Murray on Twitter said the left a gif of the Nintendo 64. Uh, and then we got two more. Uh, Brittany at KirbyPinky23 on Twitter said the DS and 3DS are my favorite systems. There's a wide variety of games for them, and handhelds are my favorite type of systems. In fact, I barely play my Switch on the TV. Yo, shout out to you. That's awesome. Handhelds are pretty fun. And so I totally agree. Those are pretty fun. Those are cool systems if you're not even thinking about if they're handheld or, uh, you know, home consoles, I guess, quote unquote. So thank you for your reply. Um, and then Chris Chandler or at C Dan Chan on Twitter. He said N64 was my console of choice growing up, but I'm hoping to grab a switch soon enough. Well, I hope you get a switch. C Dan Chan on Twitter. Definitely. Thank you for responding. The 64 was awesome. So here's the results, and then we'll go into our break. So thank you to everybody who responded and voted. We actually had a pretty good turnout for this Twitter poll. Uh, uh, coming in at 184 votes, people. Yo, thank you. Uh, coming in last place, and this isn't because I think it sucks or anything. I think the, the, the votes went this way because it's still fresh, but it's still um, got a lot of time to win a lot of people back to Nintendo. And, and just make Nintendo fans happy, you know? And that's the Switch, 14%. Uh, coming in third, you have 16%, the GameCube. Which is interesting because in the comments, a lot of people were saying GameCube. And GameCube's probably, ooh, that's a good second for me right now. Only because I didn't get a lot of games. No, I can't lie. I had this card for Blockbuster. And so I was able to keep renting games. So I kept going that whole summer. I had a WaveBird wireless controller. It was awesome. So anyways, but the GameCube came in third. Just beat the Switch. Coming in second, though. SNES. NES. I had to put them both together. So like the, the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. Okay. So that lost out to... And that's basically two systems. That lost out to the N64, our winner with 40% of the votes. Wow. So the 64 is our winner for the poll. Thank you guys for voting. Um, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, if you guys would like for me to talk about each individual console, uh, I would love to. And I would even love to have other people on. So if you're listening to this and have any interest, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or even at an email, uh, wondersoul at gmail.com. And anyways, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. You're going to hear a promo to another awesome podcast, so check them out. And then once we get done with that, I'm going to wrap up with some closing remarks, uh, finishing statements about Nintendo, and uh, then we'll be done. So thank you for listening, and check out this podcast for the promo you're about to hear. Hey guys, it's Kyle and Nick and we're from Dem Fancy Dinosaurs, a weekly comedy podcast revolving around movies, TV shows and pop culture. We release a new episode every Thursday and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Why did you say that like a question? I don't know. Okay, anyway, yes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and any of the podcatchers or you can look up www.demfancydinosaurs.com. Thanks guys, stay fancy and enjoy the rest of the show.
The game is fun. The game is a battle. If it's not fun, why bother? If it's not a battle, where's the fun? It's a test that you pass or a quest that you fail. A race against time. Fun and battle always locked together. But the game is also something else. It's a journey, a passport to new worlds, maybe even an odyssey. A look, a feel, an exploration. Close your focus and open your mind. Yes, the journey requires the right ticket. And that ticket is Nintendo Switch. But in the end, it's not just where you can take your game. It's where your game can take you. So let's go. Welcome back. Thank you for checking out that podcast that you just heard the promo for. And here we are at the end of this episode, episode 121, Nintendo. So why does Nintendo mean so much to so many people? Why has it had such an impact on so many people's lives, mine included, maybe and hopefully yours? Um... You know, I think it's safe to say that no matter where they started and what they started making and doing, they, along the way, realized that what's important is just having fun. Whatever you do, have fun. They want to bring fun to you, and they want you to take fun wherever you go. And in so many ways, and even in some that it didn't work out, so much of it did they've brought joy to so many people's lives especially their childhood uh so many people have memories now or 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 currently experience nintendo for the first time but so many are adults now and remember some of their earliest memories playing video games or having so much fun with friends and family and it involved a nintendo handheld uh, a home console something from nintendo whatever it may be uh and no matter when you got into video games or whenever you experienced nintendo for the first time whether it was the super nintendo or the n64 gamecube or even now with the switch you know, they've always kept that main goal in mind, and that's just to have fun. And they want to make sure that you have fun, that you play these games and you benefit from it in such a positive way. Because if anything, you have to always respect Nintendo for trying to be different and succeeding at doing so. Even when it didn't really benefit them, even when it didn't work out and people were very, very critical and even cruel about some of the decisions that they were making, they stood tall and they held their ground and made sure that they wouldn't change for nobody. Now, are there some things that Nintendo still needs to work on? Of course. What company, what person, what anything isn't a work in progress at all times? You always need to improve. You're never going to be that perfect thing. But for a lot of us, there's this really shiny glimmer of like just pure fun whenever you think about Nintendo. And even till today with the Switch 
and mobile games like Mario Kart and Pokemon Go and, and just so many things going on with video games being mainstream and being available to so many people. The fact that so many of the decisions that they've made in the past led to what we're experiencing today with portable and with uh, trying to be uh, imaginative as far as like how else can we experience these stories and play with these characters and, and how can we go through these worlds differently than just making it shinier and prettier. Now the games have evolved, the ways to play them have changed along the way, but at the core of the experience, Nintendo has always just had a great time being themselves, being different, and trying new things. And they want to make sure that every time they put out a product, that even it might hold some of the same names, or even the same looks or styles, the, the package that you're about to open up is going to provide you some of the familiar, but definitely, in some way or another, make you experience something brand new for the first time. Never experience this character, this story, or this type of gameplay this way ever. And Nintendo is the one that leads the way with that. Whether it's motion controls, whether it's handheld, whether it's just the way that the games and stories are played, Nintendo will always continue to try new things. And I think with everything that they make, they're almost sending us, the, the consumer, the gamers, a message and just saying, hey, be different. Even when people ridicule you, do your thing and try new things. Never get too comfortable and just stuck on doing something a certain way all the time. You'll get tired of it, it'll get old. You need to constantly challenge yourself and look for things outside of your comfort zone, even when nothing's guaranteed. Especially when it's never done before. Because there's no guarantee results. There's no path with uh, like directions. You just have to take a leap of faith and they've done that. A lot of the people that have been a part of that company or have developed and created games that have been on those consoles exclusively and even from other parties and developers, and companies that's amazing because what we're seeing right now with the success of the switch even though playstation 4 and xbox one have been butting heads and kind of taken over um even though xbox is kind of uh, going in one direction playstation going in another and that next generation is about to begin here in 2020 um nintendo is winning they're doing really good and it's not really anything new. It's really a lot of what they've always been so proud of doing. And that's experiencing different things a different way. But also just providing some of those things that you expect when you think of Nintendo. And when you think of characters like Mario and Zelda and Kirby. And games like Mario Kart and Party and Super Smash Bros. And name it. I mean, it's just... It's such a cool time to be into video games already, but especially to see the team that got you into it, Nintendo, after kind of getting bullied and making mistakes and kind of not being themselves there for a minute, even though they had some moderate success, a lot of people were saying, hey, you guys need to stop making consoles and you just need to stick to making video games. And they said, to hell with that, and here's the Switch. 
coming off of a system that a lot of people consider a failure, the Wii U. Now, if that doesn't tell you, like, bounce back, don't give up. Even when shit's not going your way, look at different things in your world. These companies, these people, these stories that just chant that there's always a way if you just have the want to, the passion to make it a reality, whatever it is. And I think Nintendo's dream has always been to just bring us along a journey that is completely different from anybody else and put us in worlds that no one else can put us in. And they've done that. And no matter how old we get, no matter what, no matter what's going on in your life, I'm telling you, playing something from Nintendo just puts a smile on your face. Thank you for listening to Wonder Soul. Connect with the podcast through social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Search Wander Soul. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and review. You can find us on YouTube and Twitch. We appreciate your support. Wonder Soul hopes you have yourself a good day.